TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Movement Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. And a very big welcome to all you listening today. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellsman Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And it's just a lovely uh, thing to be back again after the holidays. I really feel like I've sort of shaken off the holiday uh, slow mode and now we're getting to, you know, the year, starting to kick some goals, starting to get things done. And uh, obviously we're talking to a lot of patients about, you know, how they're going, what they're up to, what their vision is, what their focus is, what their goals are. Um, So if you didn't hear last week's episode, jump into it because we're talking all about those things and how to set yourself for an amazing year. So uh, dive back into the podcast and find some of the gems that are going to blow your little uh, health socks off this year so you can have an amazing year ahead. And I think, you know, on topic and on trend, interestingly, uh, as we tend to like to do, we're just coming off the back of a massive holiday season. And uh, Andrea, I did laugh just a minute ago saying, hey, um, is that a wine glass in your hand? Thinking (laughs) our Christmas jolly cheer has just extended. No, it definitely was not. It was uh, a beautiful shaped glass that uh, almost looks like a wine glass. Uh, Oh, I think it could be like it's one of those stemless wine glasses, which Dean laughs at and calls them like they're just cups. Yeah. You know, it's just, they've just got fancy names, but I promise it's just water. It's definitely not white wine or anything else. Um, I I don't think I could get through an episode if I was a little bit um, trolley, that's for sure. Hilarious. But, uh, but hey, how many of us have been probably drinking more alcohol than the regular sort of time of year in terms of over the course of the last three to five weeks, probably uh, between the start of the silly season, back up for Christmas parties and seasonal events and end of year events and celebrations and then throw in Christmas, uh, which keeps going on for Boxing Day and 
<laughs> and then just a, a, a less than a week later, we're, we're hitting uh, New Year's. So I can imagine that uh, out there, you ladies listening, there's probably a few of you smiling thinking, yep, yep, I've had my kind of year's quota in the last <laughs> five weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, how alcohol and consumption of alcohol uh, specifically, how it impacts women's health and hormones. Now, Andrea, I know that uh, in practice, you're probably seeing the aftermath of all this frivolity. Oh man, it's really interesting. Like the women that are coming in at the moment, um, before, so pre holiday kind of season, pre Christmas, you know, craziness, we had got a lot of them to like really beautiful balance. Um, things were working really, really well. And then post holidays, we're dealing with stuff that we haven't for ages, which is really frustrating. Um, I'm sure for them and me as well, I'm having to do lots of liver pumps and <laughs> all sorts of things these days, but a lot of that is just undoing some of that damage that has been caused by the excessive alcohol consumption over that time. Um, and even if they had a relatively stress-free, you know, holiday break, even if maybe their food didn't change too much, just that massive increase of alcohol and almost those binge tendencies that happened, uh, is certainly wreaking havoc on their hormones. And we're going to riff on that uh, tonight or today, whenever you're listening, and go through the mechanisms as to why that actually affects your hormones and why this might be a really important consideration for anyone who does have any kind of hormonal imbalance that they're working with or fertility challenges. Um, but before we get into the bulk of that, Ash, I want to ask you, how are you doing? Awesome. We haven't we haven't had a chance to catch up properly. Awesome. No, I'm no, very happy to hear no, of that. It's cracking on. Um, just having uh, like you probably just crazy town. You get back to the new year and people uh, are like, oh my god, you're back from holidays. About time. It's like, <laughs> we're kind of not allowed yeah, to have you're holidays. Not allowed holidays. <laughs> exactly. I know, and that's I think why the um, our reply rate on uh, you know in our inbox for the wellness women and also on social media has been a little bit lacking. But don't worry, we will get back to it. Oh, we're um, getting through it. It's funny, it's, um, you know, late at night here, but Ashley, you still look like so bright and glowing there, which is excellent. <laughs> yeah, still in work, work clothes. So <laughs> it shows you what I, happens. You walk in the door, put a baby to bed, cook dinner, eat dinner, and then uh, <laughs> you sit behind Ash, the computer. What, what did you uh, have for dinner? Oh, well, look, I, uh, I've i got to say, you know, we do a shout out to Dinner Twist, but it totally makes my, my week so much easier when uh, the Dinner Twist box arrives on a Monday afternoon here uh, in Scarborough and I get to open it and go, awesome there's my week's meal sorted i don't have to think about this so uh yeah Yeah. it was uh, a beautiful fish fish dinner and uh fresh you know fresh vegetables beautiful mango lime juice oh so good so if your taste buds are watering right now they should be (laughs) because mine certainly were just making it um i think tonight we had the um like the grass-fed steak and the char-grilled vegetables which was delicious with Um, the um what was it romanesco sauce the yeah yeah so Um, good (laughs) have you had the coconut chicken yet not yet Oh, that was my favourite. Tomorrow um, anyway, Okay. Um, we always get asked what we eat on a regular basis and we're, we're actually going to do a podcast episode specifically on, you know, what a day or a typical week looks like in our pantry and the things that we're consuming. I'm more than happy to, you know, publish what my food diary would look like, but uh, it's just funny that we get those questions. So that's why I thought I would ask, see what you had for dinner uh, and you know, maybe there was an absolute absence of alcohol there though, right, as well? No yeah, alcohol. oh, look, you know, you're talking to the queen of someone who I just don't, it's not my thing. I just don't do it. Like people have yeah. to have a glass of red um, with dinner. I don't. I, I don't know why. It's just been, 
it's my whole life. It's just not a priority. It's never been part of my kind of social habits. I learned how to socialize without alcohol. So I don't feel like I'm pressured to have a drink if I don't want one. Uh, we had a gorgeous 40th party, you know, the other day, Andy. And how fun was that? Dress up costumes. If you haven't seen the photos, we'll have to post one. Oh, <laughs> Andrew was Andrew like some- crazy dog lady. And I was uh, <laughs> Ray, the kick-ass girl on uh, Star Wars. So anyway, that was our just, alter egos. <laughs> just our, our, you know, our alter egos. Of course, I don't think that's your alter ego, though. That is actually you. It's <laughs> just <laughs> my my first personality. It's all right. There's quite a few of them, so it's got to be one of them, right? Yeah, so um, funny. Oh, but but that that was it. You know, walked in the door. We've got an open bar, right? She's an amazing host, and just let everyone put on tab whatever they wanted. But for me, one glass of champagne. The rest of the night was on lime soda. Like it's, I just don't. Yeah, it's just not my thing. Oh, so but. Gosh. Champagne it hits me like a ton of bricks. Maybe it's the bubbles, but oh. you know, back in my like in my early twenties, and this is confession time. Um, I I did some ghostwriting for Damien Christoph, and so I this is when I was living in New Zealand, and I one of my favorite things to do would be to stay up late when I'd get, you know, these bursts of inspiration when I'd be writing for him, and I would drink a bottle of red wine. Um, it would be like a New Zealand Pinot and I had the best time and that really got my creative juices flowing. And if I tried to do that now, I would not be able to get up in the morning. Um, so I think that there's this funny saying that the the biggest indicator of a hangover is simply age 30 and above. And I think that that's absolutely true. But there's also so many more important things that I'm paying attention to in terms of my physiology and my function nowadays that I just find if I do have alcohol, it slows me down so much. Mm. Um, it's just too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, so ladies, if you're, um, if you're now saying, okay, great. You're talking about alcohol. Like, what about it? What do I want to know? Tonight we're going to talk about, or today, or, you know, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is for you, we're going to talk about how alcohol can impair some of the hormone system's abilities uh, to function well. And these come under the categories of things like the production, utilization, and storage of energy, uh, Mm -hmm. reproduction and fertility, maintenance of blood pressure and bone mass and growth and development. Um, And obviously we we love talking about the whole idea about the reproduction fertility stuff. So we're really going to focus in on that and uh, dive deep into that because that's really where the big player is in most of our clients and most of the people we we work with is um, obviously the impact it has on hormones. So, And interestingly enough, I get this question all the time from couples who are trying to conceive is when they're actively trying, they're saying, okay, which day of the cycle do I stop drinking? Mm. So they're they're sort of asking – and implying that if they stop, say um, they're, you know, trying to um, conceive around that ovulatory time, if they stop drinking a day or two beforehand and then, you know, a day afterwards or whatever, is that is that good enough? And unfortunately, the answer is absolutely not. As soon as you start, you know, you make that decision that you want to have a baby, you need to be acting as if for both the male and female um, and we both need to be eating off alcohol. Um, if there's any questions about that, please go back and listen to the podcast episode that we did on holistic prenatal care because we really talk in more detail about, you know, the the health of the child that you're conceiving comes from the health and the maturity of that egg that's being matured in the ovary as well as the that sperm potential as well. And that is creating, you know, all of that genetic and health material for that baby for the rest of its life. Uh, so it's not just what happens to your body when you're actually ovulating, when the egg, egg is being released, that's being exposed to everything in your system, but it's the entire time leading up to that as well. 
And look, uh, conception's not yeah. not suddenly the time when you can start drinking again just because you've conceived. We obviously uh, advocate oh, yeah. for zero alcohol throughout any woman's pregnancy. And if you're like yeah. me, you also make your husband do the same thing so that uh, <laughs> that, that you <laughs> don't feel left numbers. out and yep. uh, that they have to at least do one part of the challenge of, you know, pregnancy that you have to experience. Oh, luckily, like I said, I'm not a drinker, so it didn't bother me at all. But I thought, no, bugger that. You know, Pete can actually abstain for the period of my pregnancy because... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, two to tango, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some of the details. So first and foremost, alcohol can absolutely screw with your hormonal balance. Mm-hmm. So we know that it can really increase estrogen dominance. And this is something that we see so, so often. And as that estrogen goes up, then it decreases progesterone as well. And this is both in pre-menopausal women, so cycling women, perimenopausal, and even more so postmenopausal women as well. Um, and it definitely messes with testosterone as well. Um, so it's it's this very uh like basic but also complicated system as to how it happens but there was a systemic um uh, sorry a systematic review published in december 2017 so you know it's only just 12 months old um and that study was called sex hormones in alcohol consumption and what they found conclusively was that alcohol increases circulating estrogens Mm. we also know it's really taxing on our liver because it takes a whole bunch of different processes to break down that alcohol in our liver um, and women are at much more of a risk of, of liver disease um, and hepatitis or inflammation of the liver um, and are more likely to die from cirrhosis as well than our men um, and women are also much more likely to suffer from alcohol-induced brain damage than men so we really get like you know a pretty poor deal on all of these things um, and I Sorry, I segued a little bit off of um, how it actually impacts hormones there, Ash. I was sort of just on a roll as to, you know, this this is not this is not good stuff. But um, also from the Harvard Medical School has published um, lots and lots of information about this. But in particular, they've shown that three alcoholic drinks per week, so three standard drinks, increases a woman's chance of breast cancer dramatically. And that's not a lot. That's three standard drinks a week. And we know a lot of people are drinking a hell of a lot more than that. Mm, interesting, isn't it? And that's, um, I guess, where it falls into that because that was the elevated risk. Um, some of the studies showed, because there was another study that, because, you know, the, obviously the caveat there is, is it all wine? Is it some wine? Which ones? You know, which alcohol oh, and all that. So, so yes. This is like, this is the people trying to get out of jail free, right? They're trying to go, well, hang on, that's just the white wine. I drink red or, or you know, don't worry, I just drink spirits. So, you know, it's, it's not alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and oh, didn't you see that newspaper article that came out that said, you know, drinking um, one red wine a night is good for you because yeah. of the polyphenols or, um, you know, what about the French paradox where they drink red wine with, with every meal um, and they, you know, reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease and all sorts of things. And, and yes, there is conflicting evidence um, as to, you know, whether or not certain types of alcohol, including red wine, um, may have certain effects for certain things. But overall, we know, including red wine, that it does have the, you know, the risks definitely outweigh the benefits, that's for sure. Yeah, um, it's so tricky because on that, you know, on the front about the conversation about the alcohol, through sand drinks, um, I was also reading a study, albeit a very small study, but it's been backed up by another small study. So you sort of go, mm, okay, reproducible, but still yeah. very small. Um, yeah. They used um, 36 women with randomised control. They got them to drink either the Cab Sav or Chardonnay daily. 
um, for a month and then mm-hmm. they switched them to the other type of wine and they were collecting blood twice each month to measure hormone levels. Oh, yes. And they were trying to determine whether red wine mimics the effects of aromatase inhibitors and that's one of the key things in managing estrogen levels, which, you know, they're obviously used in the treatment of breast cancer. So, um I guess the interesting thing of outcome was that the investigators have said that the change in the hormone pattern suggests that the red wine, not the white, can actually stem the growth of cancer cells. Now, yeah. so then all of a sudden you get that green light, don't you? Oh, well, in that case, it's going to be, you know, like cancer protective. Um, but on the flip side, then they said it actually comes down to elements found in the skins of the grapes. <laughs> so, you exactly. know, like, is it categoric? Is it across all wine varieties? Is it so? I guess are there confounding factors there, which there definitely are. Spot yep, absolutely. On, spot on. So, um, you look, I think the, the long story short is whilst we're trying to find easy uh, ways out to continue our enjoyment of consumption of alcohol, um, the reality is that there's always going to be studies that are going to contradict each other in this realm because so far for the last 20 years it seems to be that way. Um, every time there's a study coming out about red wine's damages, it comes out with the red wine's benefits on cardioprotective factors and each time that we start talking about health and well-being you'll see that just like a lot of things you know one minute fat's bad for you next thing it's good for you next thing it's all about the keto diet so so take everything with i guess an approach to say okay let's err on the side of caution let's say that a a lot of studies back up the idea that uh, moderate levels of alcohol consumption are bad for women's Mm -hmm. health and well-being they do have a negative impact on glucose handling they have a negative impact on liver function they have a negative impact on health and fertility um so you know if you're really serious about regaining control of your health and you know achieving your health vision for yourself which is obviously ultimately wellness and healing and and health and vitality um hopefully longevity and also you know even from the approach of things like anti-aging um you might be willing to look at how you can modify your you know consumption of alcohol or even better eliminate you know if it's if it's something you think hey it's just not needed i don't need this then i i'm a big advocate for saying you know it's all or nothing just don't it's not needed it's not actually one of our five essential micronutrients for uh, health and function so Mm -hmm. if it's not one of the food groups then maybe we don't need it um, I think it's definitely a bit of a food group for, for some people. And I, it certainly was, you know, at certain times in my life as well. Um, I, for women with certain types of hormonal conditions, or if you are trying to balance your hormones, then abstaining from alcohol or really limiting your consumption is a really good idea. So what we do know in terms of like overt hormonal, uh, I guess, symptoms that I see uh, that um, alcohol messes with in certain reproductive disorders are things like um, stopping the actual menstrual cycle. So it can be that secondary amenorrhea that it can induce with, that's usually more with heavy alcohol um, consumption, but that can also be with binging as well. can definitely influence irregular menstrual cycles, um, can lead to anovulatory cycles as well. So where you're having a menstrual cycle, but you're not actually ovulating, it can certainly um, increase the chances of having early menopause. Um, but also uh, increases the risk of having spontaneous um, miscarriages as well. Um, So, you know, some pretty important things to think about. We also know that alcohol increases our cortisol levels too. So it's absolutely inducing a stress response within our system. 
and think about the cascade of hormonal imbalances that then happen when cortisol increases. So just if we're looking at our reproductive hormones, as cortisol goes up, so does progesterone usually comes down because then it's used as a building block for more cortisol, which increases estrogen dominance, which then shuts down your thyroid, which then backs up in your liver and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, that's just part of that, that kind of stress cycle mechanism that goes on there. Um, but then at the same time, alcohol also messes with our glucose levels and our glucose handling too. And I can't remember who said this, but I, you know, if I remember, I'll certainly give credit to them. But um, someone said that when you have um, alcohol, you cannot shift weight the next day. And that is because it's actually inhibiting that glucose metabolism within our system. So when our body is trying to metabolize alcohol, then we cannot essentially um, uh, figure out what to do with glucose in our system. So it inhibits the uptake of it. It messes with your insulin secretion. Um, it gives, it can give you that reactive hypoglycemia as well. Um, and just remember that your glucose and uh, your insulin secretion and metabolism is so critical for hormonal balance, particularly with any women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I know that you might be on top of your diet and all of those sorts of things in terms of getting your blood sugar levels under control, but don't forget that alcohol can absolutely do that same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, while you're talking about the hormones there, obviously we're talking about, you know, things like glucose leading to weight and that. On the same front, though, looking at, for example, bone structure, bone density, they're talking about the, you know, obviously when we – so. I think one of the things I had to get my head around here was at different ages, we metabolize alcohol differently. So once we hit menopause. I reckon that's that's why when you're in your early 20s, you can handle more. Well, not that you can handle more, but you're um, hangover is not as bad. Yeah, you tolerate it differently. No, absolutely. (laughs) And that has a lot to do with the the changes in hormone profile over time. And they – you know, research is showing that once you hit menopause, it can actually be uh, protective because it does drive up estrogen. Remember we talked about driving up estrogen dominance? And in some ways they've said that that can actually support improved bone structure and bone density because obviously osteoporosis has a bit to do with, you know, calcium laydown. So there's studies showing that it's supportive, again, contradictions because other studies at a different age group of women are showing that interferes, so consumption interferes with like parathyroid hormone, vitamin D-derived hormones, calcitonin. So all of these things work to regulate calcium absorption um, and distribution. So, you know, if you're going to inhibit that, then you're going to get deficiencies um, in, you know, calcium excretion and, and increases in excretion. So suddenly there's now impacts on bone density, disturbances in vitamin D metabolism, again, bone density issues. And of course, dietary calcium, if your liver's shot because you're consuming <laughs> too much alcohol, then of course, you're going to have a lot of macro and micronutrient issues. So um, yeah, super interesting. And everything has to be taken on the level of saying, well, if, if you have to have all these caveats, you consume it at this age and it'll have less impact on this, but it'll have more impact to that. But if you consume it once you're over the age of 50 and you're in menopause, like anything that has to have that many caveats on it, really, do you have to have that many rules and regulations over something? It can't be that good for you. Um, I think that's how I look at it. I'm just like, seriously, if we have to try and think about, hang on, I'm now 35. What does that mean to my hormones right now? And how much alcohol can I have before it becomes a problem? Like, how do you know? (laughs) And Ashwin, uh, I like what you said about the the in menopausal women in certain circumstances. Um, from the research I've read, it, it's increasing circulating levels of estrogen, but it's almost like think of it like the toxic 
conversion of estrogen, mm. which doesn't necessarily have good um, hormonal balancing effects for you. Um, it's just, you know, screwing with your system. Uh, but let's not forget the dudes as well or our, our lovely men. Um, alcohol absolutely affects sperm quality um, and their fertility potential as well. So it's going to mess with the morphology and the um, so essentially the size, the shape, and the numbers of sperm. So, you know, the, the quality of those guys, which is pretty important. But it also is um, like what you're talking about, Ash, um, it increases those aromatase factors or it messes with them. Uh, it decreases testosterone production for men which means it's going to increase their estrogen production, which is a very stressful state for men's systems, which absolutely increases all their inflammatory markers as well. Um, and when they're in that state, that's going to affect their sperm production and their quality and everything else, which is obviously going to lead to lower reproductive and fertility potential. But it also this is when we see men with, you know, like man boobs and muffin tops and those sorts of things because it's, it's shifting that weight distribution and that hormonal production into you know that more sort of feminized picture mm. and i guess ladies if you've ever wondered why you know like you see those pictures on the you know doors at bars and clubs and why men can have two like two and a half standard drinks or two standard drinks in the first hour and one or two thereafter i don't know even know what it is because i don't even look at it um but you know and women have a lower level the reason behind that is that we have a greater um Ethanol has a greater impact on us. So yeah. what it comes down to, and it's primarily because of body water, um, the this is where ethanol is distributed and those in what they say significantly smaller than in men. So most women's body frames and body mass via body water is significantly less than men, and that's why we don't metabolize it the same way at the same rate. Ah, yeah, interesting. I, I had That's wondered. So I'm like, oh, is it because the liver's so bigger or the liver's smaller? Thing. <laughs> no, no, it, uh, it just comes down to women's, you know, water handling. So I thought that was so like, like, oh, I actually didn't know that. I just kind of assumed based on body frame and you know maybe metabolism speed or something like that. But um, yeah, that's that's the underlying why. Uh, so I guess. Whether you like it or not, regardless of body weight, and that's the other side of that uh, thing is it says it doesn't matter about what body weight. So, hmm. Mm, interesting. Okay, very fascinating. Uh, and just a couple of other little tidbits is don't forget that alcohol is going to mess with your gut microbiome. So, you know, so super important for your hormonal function and balance as well. Um, it can shift the production or I guess the um, the balance of your good bugs versus the, the pathogenic species and can certainly lead to gut dysbiosis as well. Um, and I'm also just, um, this is me just postulating um, as to the, the liver damage that increases with women um, at a higher and faster rate than opposed to men is when we drink too much, um, it decreases our glutathione production. And glutathione is one of those um, really important things um, uh, things that helps with uh, detoxification pathways, particularly in the liver. So I'm just wondering if that's also part of that too. It's also um, glutathione is essential for your immune system and, and everything else. So it's very hard for us to detoxify and to deal with ethanol and those sorts of things when there's just, you know, our, our alcohol consumption keeps increasing. Hmm. Oh. All right. Well, I, I guess on that note. I just think I'm that means everyone's uh, putting down their, their <laughs> glass of uh, their glass of bubbly. Um, 
But we're not saying that you absolutely have to stop completely or anything like that, but it's just, no. you know, this is all about informed choice and, and making the best decisions depending on, you know, what your current health goals are. Um, so, ladies, we would love to hear what you do instead of drinking alcohol. So, um, you know, do you make yourself mocktails? Um, do you do what Ash does with your soda and lime? Uh, you can please communicate with us on Facebook. So, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women. We're on Instagram at The Wellness Women Official. Um, and ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.